1: Just
3: be me. Amy Winehouse, back to black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R. Under 1790 minute without parent, only in theaters, May 17th. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear.
5: Hey, it's, it's, it's It Could Happen Here, the podcast. The thing that's happening here is that once again, like a bunch of random American politicians are going to Taiwan. And this time they didn't announce they were going apparently because announcing they were going last time went great so yeah this is this is this is what we're talking about today and uh with with me is James Hello, James how how you doing All right I'm wonderful and I'm, I'm sp- splendid Oh okay so we have to talk about Taiwan and I think like people who've listened to me on this show for a while know that like so like Okay, a lot of my family is from Taiwan. I don't like talking about Taiwan very much. Um, I I think I've talked about Taiwanese politics in detail exactly once on this show when I was forced to for the Liguana Woods shooting. And like I would really prefer not to. Like it's not something I particularly enjoy talking about, which is, you know, a big part of what we haven't. But unfortunately, I can't continue not to talk about it because the American left, and this is true of not just the American left, it's true of the British left, this is true of the left kind of writ large is being systematically lied to about Taiwan by a group of incredibly malicious nationalists who are attempting to rally support for their like <laughs> incredibly violent and bizarre imperial delusions and unfortunately it's working. So I'm and instead of that I'm going to give what I'm going to call Taiwan 101 and I'm calling it Taiwan 101 even though this is going to be like an hour long because th- th- this is as far as I could cut this whole thing down. Like Taiwanese politics is genuinely complicated. It's part of the reason I don't like talking about it. And, you, and people who are giving you simple answers to what's happening in Taiwan are lying to you. This is as best I can do. And it t- this is this is like the length of a bastards episode. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm excited. Yeah. So well, welcome to Taiwan 101. Um, th- the beginning of Taiwan 101 is that Taiwan is a series of islands off the coast of China. And yes, there are a bunch of islands. Nobody talks about this, like because again, 90 percent of the people. Who talk about Taiwan like couldn't find their own ass on a map? So, you know, there 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 there's a bunch of islands. There's one big one. There's several like a lot of smaller ones. Um, Now, one of the sort of fundamental principles of not just being on the left, but like being a decent person is self determination. And you know, self determination on, on a very basic level is that people have the right to choose how they want to live. And in a more immediate political context. They have the right to choose how they want to organize their government and who they do and don't want to be ruled by. So, OK, what, what, what are the actual numbers in Taiwan say? Well, OK, we, we, we have recent polling from the National Chi University's Elec- Election Studies Center, which says that a grand total of 6.6 percent of Taiwan's population wants unification with China. The overwhelming majority of people in Taiwan, 81.2 percent, want to just maintain the status quo which yeah i guess i should so, so the, the status quo right now is that like china claims that it is the sole legitimate government of taiwan um taiwan like technically legally claims that they are the sole legitimate government of china nobody actually believes that anymore like you if if if, if you scoured the entirety of taiwan you might find six dudes in a bunker who still believe that like <laughs> they're the real government of china like the, the the actual status quo is that taiwan is basically de facto is is like it's, t- taiwan is de facto a self-governing polity that has elections and stuff and yeah everyone gets incredibly mad about this most people want to preserve the status quo um in inside of the 82 percent of people who want to maintain the status quo you have you know it's, it's like like 25 percent basically for for three different options I. Uh, Basically, so there's very similar numbers of people who either want to like decide the formal status of Taiwan, like, is an independent country, is a part of China. They either want to kick it down the road. Some of them want to keep the status quo indefinitely, and some of them want to move towards full independence, like, later on. But overwhelmingly, what people want in Taiwan is for nothing to happen. Now, if if this were a sane and rational world, that would be the end of the episode, right? Taiwan doesn't want to be ruled by China. Like, okay, well, that's okay. That's the right. They have the right to self determination. That's it. Case closed. End of story. It literally doesn't matter what, what the Chinese government thinks about whether it should control Taiwan, because again, Taiwan doesn't want to be ruled by China. And I feel like, as a
4: British person, I, uh, I maybe I maybe ought to like not contribute further to that
5: discussion. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I mean, you know, there's 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 this whole thing that exists, right? Where when uh, when when you force your rule on another population, it is called imperialism. Yeah, it is. It yeah, is generally considered to be bad. And anyway, and the other thing is, it's still bad, even if everyone inside the imperial power thinks that it's good. Like, if every person <laughs> in the U.S. suddenly decided tomorrow that they wanted to invade Cuba. Like, it wouldn't make it morally <laughs> right because people in Cuba don't want to be ruled by the U.S. Yeah, which we've <laughs> so, done before, but... Yeah. It's true, yeah. It was, this is partially why I picked Cuba as an example, because we, re- we did this. We, we yeah. really did, like, kill an enormous number of people trying to...
4: Yeah, based on bullshit that people made up and uh, portrayed yeah. as news that, that was at best speculation. So.
5: Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 as we can tell by the fact that the U.S. has invaded Cuba, uh, we do not live in a sane, irrational world, we live in hell. <laughs> And this means that I have a talk about a bunch of just absolutely bullshit arguments that a bunch of nationalist dipshits made up to justify imperialism. (sighs) (sighs) So, all right, this is where we start going into Taiwanese history. Um, So the starting point of any actual history of Taiwan that's worth a single shit is Taiwan's indigenous population. And it is incredibly important to understand from the outset. The indigenous population of Taiwan is not Chinese. They are not ethnically Chinese. They are not linguistically Chinese. They are not culturally Chinese. They are not any of these things. By literally any definition of the word Chinese, you can imagine they are not Chinese. Um, this this population, this indigenous population is Austronesian. It's, it's an, uh, uh, the Austronesian people are a population that stretches basically from like it's, – it's an enormous group of people across the Pacific. stretches from like Madagascar all the way to like Hawaii. Yeah. and that 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 those are the people who, who who live in taiwan and have lived on taiwan for 6000 years and you know, if if you read like CCP accounts of Taiwanese history, right, you'll see them. They 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 won't talk about the fact that there again, there's been an indigenous population that has lived in in Taiwan for six thousand years. Um, what you'll see references to are like in like the Sui and like Song dynasties, people like sent troops to Taiwan, and, and the CCP people will be like, oh yeah, no, they they uh they, they 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 governed Taiwan and they ruled it. It was a part of China in like ancient times. Like this is all bullshit. Like. Basically, what would happen is periodically, every like few hundred years, some Chinese leader would be like, we should send some people to that island. And they went there and were like, this sucks. And they all left. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. And, and and you know, like, OK, so like these guys, they're like, OK, this thing this thing sucks. They leave. And the indigenous population continues going like, you know, goes back to do like their normal thing. Right. Like this is the the, the, the actual history of who has controlled Taiwan for almost its entire history is that it was controlled by the indigenous population. But in, in 1624, colonial powers start getting more involved, and the Dutch seize control of Taiwan. Well, okay, so the, the Dutch take most of Taiwan. There's a part of Taiwan in the north that's ruled by the Spanish. And they do like a bunch of just like horrible, like unspeakable crimes to the indigenous population before they're ran out by, like, basically like a fragment of the dying like Chinese Ming Dynasty. And so, yeah, so in 1662, this guy whose name... Okay, so he has, like, a name that he's known by in the West that I genuinely have no idea how to pronounce because th- this, the name that he's known by in the West I think is a Dutch translation of his title and not, like, his name. <laughs> it's baffling. I, I Okay, like, the, I, I think the, the, the Mandarin version of his title is something like Guo Uh The Dutch somehow turned that into what, what I'm going to interpret as koshinga like it's baffling it doesn't make any sense i their transliteration is is nonsense but yeah so there's this guy you'll you'll see you'll see his name written as like koshinga um and he, he's described alternately as sort of like you know you'll see some descriptions of him which will be like he is a loyalist ming general um and that's kind of true like sort of uh you will also see descriptions of him uh that call him a pirate warlord which is like also true and you you will also see nationalists like Chinese nationalists celebrate him as like an anti-colonial hero and call him like running out the Dutch as like the liberation of Taiwan and like that's not true, um, <laughs> like in the extent to which this is not true. Like I've I've, I've 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 seen people like from Taiwan like who do stuff with the indigenous population like I've I've seen them call I've seen them call him uh, Taiwan's Christopher Columbus. So th- th- this is how this is going. Um, Wait,
4: so are we saying that changing from one colonial power to another is it's not liberation
5: no it turns out and fascinating you, 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 yeah okay. you you can tell it's not la- not liberation because you know like a bunch of people like actually like you know do believe that like hey it's going to be less bad for us under this guy than it's going to be for the dutch it, it is kind of less bad like there are a bunch of indigenous people who go who fight with uh sure and gun like you know and he he helps they, they help him defeat the Dutch, but uh what, what he does instead of like, you know, freeing the people there is he maintains the Dutch colonial system while basically just seizing Taiwan to run his court from. And, you know, like Dutch colonial rule. OK, so like Dutch colonial rule is over, but what it's replaced by is the rule of an independent pirate warlord state. OK, this sounds fun. I mean, it kind of is <laughs> like, I mean, there's this whole. So, OK, so the, the kind of background of this is that like the in the 1600s, the Ming dynasty is falling apart. The Ming dynasty had ruled China since they overthrew the Mongols basically. And mm-hmm. but like they're they're imploding. There's a bunch of revolutions going on. Uh they're they are in the process of getting eventually getting knocked off by um the Qing dynasty who are a group of people from Manchuria who we will be getting to in a second. Yeah. And this guy's like technically a Ming general, but he's sort of not. And he's he's doing this sort of pilot warlord stuff. But then he like he sets up like his own dynasty, like very short-lived <laughs> dynasty there. And th- th- this is the first time that there's been like actual political control of Taiwan by any kind of Chinese entity, right? Like the the the, the like the, the weird dipshit armies that like China was sending in like the Song Dynasty, like they don't they don't actually like set up a government, right? Like they're just kind of there for a bit and they leave. This is the first time sure. like they actually conquer the island and rule it as like a political entity. And even then, it's kind of a half-ass conquest. Like there's a lot of places they kind of just like they're just like yeah, okay, we're just not going to bother with this, but. Yeah, and, and you know, again, like the, the, this is the first time this has happened, and it, it's not like the Chinese state, right? It's a pirate warlord, <laughs> and his, his his descendants get like knocked off by the Qing Dynasty in uh, sixteen eighty three, and this is the first time like a real Chinese government has controlled Taiwan, um, because by 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 sixteen eighty three, the Qing Dynasty has finished taking over all of China or all all of what used to be like the main dynasty in China, and. This is the period that Chinese nationalists would point to and say, "Like, no, no, no! uh, Really, really, hold on, hold on! Uh, uh, Taiwan actually is part of China because we conquered it in like 1683." Which you know, oh wow, okay, yeah. It's like, oh no, no, this is, yeah this is this is part of Taiwan, China since ancient times. Yeah, this place we conquered in 1683, which ignores also again the previous five thousand four hundred years where Taiwan was ruled by its indigenous Mm -hmm. people. It's it's baffling nationalist brainword stuff.
4: Yep, that has worked historically for other countries, notably
5: this one and the one I'm from. But it oh, doesn't yeah. make it right. Yeah, well, and then you'll, you'll get people arguing this is like, well, how like uh, like how how is this different from the U.S.? And it's like, well, here's the thing: I am a leftist, and and I I am, I am <laughs> yes. capable of understanding that multiple things can be bad at the same time, especially when they're bad in the same way. Yes. Like, wow, hey, maybe these are all settler colonies. We should destroy them. <sighs> Okay, yeah. but, but we we should actually talk about the Qing dynasty a bit because mm-hmm. a, a lot of what Chinese nationalism draws from is is the sort of imperial expansion of the Qing dynasty. Even though the Qing are the Qing are not like a, a Han Chinese dynasty, um, they're like ethnically they're from a different ethnic group. But yeah, I mean it's it's, it's the like the, the 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 Qing dynasty is a Manchu dynasty ruled by the people at like the Manchus out of Manchuria, but. And I think, like insofar as people think about the Qing dynasty, they tend to think about like the late Qing dynasty. Like this is like you know, like the 1800s Qing dynasty is a disaster, right? Like they lose the Opium Wars, they get beat by Japan. This is the whole sort of century humiliation thing. Has a lot to do with like Qing imperial decline. But you know, that that's like the 1800s Qing, the 1700s Qing, especially the 1600s 1700s Qing is an incredibly dynamic. And you know, incredibly militant and expansionist empire. Um, here, here's I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read a passage from the book Taiwan's Imagined Geographies. Having annexed Taiwan in 1684, the Qing turned its attention to Central Asia, pacifying quote like quote unquote pacifying the Mongols and bringing Eastern Turkestan and Lhasa, the capital of Tibet, under Qing rule. The Qing further expanded its control in South and Southwest China, subjugating various non-Chinese peoples of this region to Qing domination. At its height in the 18th century, Qing influence extended into Korea, Vietnam, Laos, Thailand, Burma, and Nepal, all of which came under the suzerainty of the empire. By 1860, the Qing had achieved the incredible feat of doubling the size of the empire's territory, bringing various non-Chinese frontier people under its rule. The impact of Qing expansionism was thus tr- was thus tremendous, as the Qing not only redefined the territorial boundaries of China but also refashioned China as a multi-ethnic realm as a multi-ethnic realm, shifting the traditional border between Chinese, Hua, and Barbarian Yi. In doing so, the Qing created an image of China that is vastly different from that of the Ming. And and I I think I think it's really important to understand what kind of empire this is, which is to say that the Qing dynasty is an incredibly brutal colonial power, even like by the standards of like the like you know okay like all of all like the the, all, the, the the okay Ch- Chinese dynastic history is not pretty right like this is you know it's an empire right it's an empire it's ruled by an emperor it kind of sucks like it's not it's not yeah. good per se but like even by the standards of like Chinese dynasty the Qing are incredibly militant and incredibly expansionist um for example like Xinjiang which which is a province that. The Qing conquered, so it, it used to be inhabited by Mongol-speaking people until the, the Qing just exterminated them all and settled the entire land with uh, with Han and uh, Uyghur-like ethnic groups. And you know, th- th- this history points to something that's important to understand when we talk about China, Taiwan, and the U.S., which is that what we're talking about is three settler colonies. And and I think people you know might be like, "Wait, what do you mean China is a settler colony?" And I, I'm I'm just going to read this passage from the book. Uh, Sovereignty, Frontiers of Possibility, which is by uh Julia Evans, Anna Genovese, Alexander Riley, and Patrick Wolf. And and yes, that is that Patrick Wolf, who is like the who was basically the godfather of settler colonial studies and one of the yeah. most important like academics are trying to like in terms of like advancing the analysis of settler colonialism, like the Palestinian conflict. Uh here's here here here's what he has to say about China. And this is kind of a <laughs> long passage, but like I want to include an explanation of what settler colonialism is because I've kind of just been tossing it around. Yeah. Analytically, the case of Palestine reveals that the relationship between the external and internal dimensions of sovereignty is not a priori but contingent. Settler colonization converts external into internal, rendering indigenous sovereignties either non-existent or domesticated. Annexation does the same thing, only it is illegal. The difference, again, is sovereignty. To annex is to practice settler colonialism in sovereign territory. Thus, the frontier is aligned in time as well as in space spatially the frontier delimits unconquered native territory temporally it marks the conversion of outside into inside it renders externality a thing of the past ah yes in the global conquest of settler colonialism therefore the internal and external dimensions represent the state of play quote unquote the ultimate prize is state formation with internationally recognized territorial sovereignty once the settler takeover is complete the native realm becomes a thing of the past superseded and detoxified, reduced to persisting in the settlers' terms. Since, in the case of Palestine, this process remains incomplete, the situation can still go either, or potentially any, way. At the international level, this uncertainty is reflected in the ambivalent status of Palestinian sovereignty, which remains simultaneously both acknowledged and questioned. Locally, the states involved in the resolution of such uh, international uncertainties could not be higher. Tibet represents a case in point. Despite Significant informal deference to Tibet's national separateness, its incorporation into the People's Republic of China is not seriously questioned at the diplomatic level. Tibetan representation at the United Nations remains unimaginable, yet, even Tibetans might count their blessings when they compare their situation to that of Uyghurs, who, like them, are being officially colonized by Han settlers in the so called autonomous region called Xinjiang, a Chinese appellation that could have been scripted in 16th century Europe. It means new land. Being so much more firmly domesticated within the Chinese state, however, weaker solvency remains remote from global concern. Now, now, obviously, okay, this was written before like Xinjiang became like a global news story, and also, I, yeah. I, the, I, 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 I question Wolf's translation of the word a little bit. Like, I think, I think, new frontier is probably a slightly better translation. But <laughs> yeah, like you can see what's at work here, right? Like Wolf's argument is that, like, yeah, like. The, like Ch- china is running two settler colonies like the the internal status of which is like even more internationally fucked than like most other settler colonies which is incredibly grim <laughs> like it's...
4: yeah i think we don't i don't know why we we're so uh we've been so slow to see settler colonialism in these contiguous empires and, well, and like I... here
5: as well go ahead yeah, I mean, I think part of what's happening here, like, you know, okay, like, I, I, th- I think there's sort of a different dynamic with looking at this with Russia, but I think with China, it's like, people are just, like, it's really, really hard to get people to understand that colonialism and imperialism are things that, like, not that, like, non-white people can do. <laughs> yes. And especially, yeah, okay. and especially, like, this, you know, the, the, and I think this goes back to the sort of, like, Qing Dynasty discussion, right, which is that, like. Yeah, you know the, the like the, the the way that people on the left understand the Qing dynasty is through the sort of nationalist lens, looking at like the eighteen hundreds, and so they miss the whole part where they're doing all the settler colony stuff. But like, what happens to them basically is that like, you know, it's like they're they're it's kind of like the Ottomans, right? Where like their empire suddenly runs into like newer, better, more violent and more efficient empires. But like, that doesn't mean that like they weren't also empires. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> Yeah. yeah and then when
4: people do work that out sometimes like people when we talk about like uh, settler colonialism in the u.s sometimes uh like when folks are forced to retreat from the the first position and that like that the u.s is not a settler colony they'll then fall back on well their indigenous empires beforehand as if that somehow justifies that yeah language, it's like. like it does not
5: right yes. and like yeah. Yeah. you know like and 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 I, I, mean, I think this is the thing with Tibet too, where it's like, yeah, the, 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 the pre-existing Tibetan government was not good. Like I, I'm <laughs> not, I'm not going to defend yeah. like that government. It sucks. I, I, I would also point out that the whole, we're, we're going to stop the slave trade thing is one of the things explicitly in, in the, in the treaty for, that was signed at the conference of Berlin. That was the thing that they claimed that, that like, that, that was the thing that the European powers claimed they were doing when they invaded Africa. So yeah. like when they split Africa up between the colonial powers. So like, you know, okay. I mean, also, it's you know, this this is getting slightly off topic, but it's also worth noting that like, there the, the, there wasn't there was actually a communist movement like in Tibet that wasn't the CCP, and the CCP killed them all. So that's <laughs> great and fun. That's never happened before with totalitarian communist powers. Yeah, it's it's we'll great. never happen again.
2: Zumo play.
5: The sort of I think the stakes of what's happening here, I think, become more clear when you understand that like you like the US and China to like two different extents, right? Like, I don't know, like China has parts There, like there are parts of China where it's like very hard to, like it's not a settler state it's just like their states but there are parts of China that definitely mm. are a settler state and then there's the U.S. which is like entirely a settler state yeah. and then Taiwan is also too a settler state although it's like post-independence Taiwan is the least violent of them which is like not like a I don't know you're not winning much of a prize yeah. by being less violent than uh, China and the U.S. but like you yeah, know it yeah, is true a good body count between those two yeah but you know, but 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 I think this, this brings us back to like the Qing the Qing occupation of Taiwan, yeah. which is that the, the the Qing occupation of Taiwan is China's first of, like first new settler colony. The Qing administrators they, they divide the indigenous population into quote cooked and raw savages. Um, that, those what? are their words. That literally, that's what they call them. Like it is. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, why <laughs> cuz they're really racist like, yeah. <laughs> like i mean this, this is like this, this is like a very old thing in sort of like sort of chinese imperial discourse right is like you, you have this difference between like barbarians and like chinese people and like yeah. savages and non-savages like this is this is like this mm-hmm. is how these people think Right, and it's not sure. yeah. good. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like how, how many more ways I can like try to explain to people who are like who who have been like like people have been like telling them Chinese nationalist stuff for so long that it's like this. This also was not good. Like guys. <laughs> yeah, and again, yeah.
4: it's something the U.S. has done. The U.K. is classic imperialism, right? Like we talk about yeah, civilized tribes in the U.S. or you know, martial yeah, martial races in the British Empire.
5: Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to read a, a passage from Taiwan's Imagine geography. Indeed, as Qing writers began to construct the Taiwan indigenes as two distinct groups, negative traits that had been formerly associated with, quote, the Taiwan savages as a whole began to be mapped on the wild or raw savages. Where earlier texts claimed, for example, that the savages, quote, by nature like to kill or, quote, were, or were, quote, stubborn and stupid. Now writers attributed (laughs) these characteristics to the raw savages alone. Headhunting, a notorious practice that the, earlier, the earliest sources had associated with the natives of Taiwan and other Pacific Islands, also became also came to be seen as a raw savage practice. By the early 18th century, travel writing travel writers increasingly emphasized the violent and murderous behavior of the raw savages. The expansion of the Han Chinese population at this time caused an escalation of conflict between Chinese settlers and the indigenous over land and other resources. Hostile indigenities were thus becoming a real threat to the safety of Han Chinese settlers. Although some writers blamed inter-ethnic conflict on troublemaking Han Chinese settlers, many Qing literati attributed the, bell- the belligerence of the raw savages to their inherent bloodthirsty nature. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real, it's real, it's real. Classic empire shit, like that, that textbook shit. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you, you can see that the, the, there's, there's this whole nationalist myth that like you'll read if you read modern people like talking about this or they'll be like, oh, the indigenous <laughs> population, the Chinese government got along so great. It is oh, yeah. completely bullshit. This is an incredibly racist, settler state. And it stays in an incredibly ra- racist, settler state when, when the Japanese take over Taiwan in 1895. And the Japanese occupation is even worse than the Qing occupation of indigenous people in a lot of ways. It's a real shit show. There's a huge massacre they do in the 30s. Um yeah, and and okay, we should also mention at this point. So I've been focusing a lot on the the indigenous population because <laughs> almost everyone who tells the story from all sides doesn't talk about them ever because it's it's incredibly inconvenient to like everyone's narrative that there were people here for literally 6000 years. Um but you know, while basically since the Dutch showed up in the in the mid 1600s um there have been like increasing numbers of Chinese settlers and as as the Qing occupation sort of wears on the number of Chinese settlers increases and increases and increases and mm-hmm. it gets to the point where you know kind of kind of close to like what we have today where like the 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 indigenous population of Taiwan is like two percent of the population and it's which is you know, which is pretty close to what the indigenous population uh, percent of the population of the U.S. is for example
4: yeah and we're, we're, we're... Make... sorry I'm not going to it's okay <laughs>
5: Yeah, going to talk about Elizabeth Warren, but I feel, oh I feel god, oh but god. You know, actually, fuck it. I will talk about Elizabeth Warren in the middle of this because I fucking go. Yeah, because I mean, her her whole thing of like per, 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 like per, pretending to be indigenous was also fun because like she has a cookbook, and the cookbook. Yeah, pow wow chow. Yeah, yeah, that claims both her and her <laughs> husband are indigenous, and then in that is like maybe the most incomprehensibly awful like example of Chinese yeah. cooking I've ever seen in my life, which she apparently stole from like another cookbook. And it it's really like just cascading levels of racism all the way down it's yeah. oh god it's fine it's all fine no oh, yeah, yeah. all the settler colonies are bad their politics are all also always bad because again like being a settler colony inherently makes your politics awful because
4: yeah Uh, and representing yourself as an indigenous person to gain personal advantage in a settler colony when you are not one is ongoing act of colonialism
5: yeah genuinely horrific stuff like yeah uh, don't do it uh, so having said that so okay uh, we have to talk about the han population there's like different like subgroups of the Han population who are, have different ethnicities, speak different rate, like speak different languages because Han, Han is like a very large sort of category. Mm-hmm. And like inside of Han Chinese, there's like people who are Hakka. There's, there's a whole bunch of different groups. Um, and I, I, I guess the one thing that's worth mentioning is that a lot of the, like you'll hear people talk about Taiwanese as like its own language. And like, that's like there, there are a bunch of people who were Han, but who don't speak Mandarin. And so like a lot of people in Taiwan speak, Taiwanese, which is a sort of like Hakka, uh, ish language. Well, okay. What's what, what's what's the most technically accurate way of saying this? It 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 is a language that is developed on Taiwan, like in Taiwan, by people who speak Hakka, and it's basically pretty close to that. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to get into super granular detail about these ways of immigration. Um, but basically, like w- one of the things that happens is that among these sort of Han settlers, there becomes this sort of like. Taiwanese identity of like them being Taiwanese, like specifically as a thing. And when, when the Japanese lose world war two, the nationalist party or the KMT just like occupies Taiwan. But this is a real problem because again, most of the people don't want to be ruled by the KMT because the KMT like absolutely suck. Um, If if you want me to hear me like go deeper into them, uh, go listen to my bastards episode in the world anti-communist league. Uh, The the short version is that the KMT is a genocidal, like, anti-communist death squad party run by an organized crime outfit that's led by Chiang Kai-shek, and, you know, like, they suck, like, really, like, absolutely horrible people, Um, and and as the KMT starts to lose the civil war to Mao, like, more and more KMT supporters, and also people just, like, running from the war start fleeing to Taiwan and this develops a massive, like you get these massive tension between the, the, the Han people who had already been there and the KMT and their sort of new supporters, their, their new sort of like settler immigrant population. And this boils over into what's called the February 28th incident or the 228 incident. Um, basically what happens. So a, a KMT cop like attacks a woman who is like selling cigarettes on the street illegally because the KMT, like I, I really also kept not like they're so unbelievably corrupt and so, like they, they have all these like monopolies, where it's like, okay, like there, there's a guy who has like the opium monopoly, or like a guy who has like the the cigarette monopoly, right? And uh, on, on, unless you're running through that monopoly, you can't sell like cigarettes. Yeah. And so, in, in something that I think will be familiar to people who like uh, like have followed the number of people in the U.S. who've been killed for uh, uh, selling, selling cigarettes, cigarettes <laughs> illegally. Yeah. So the 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 cops start like beating this woman over the head with their with his pistol. And everyone around them gets incredibly pissed off, and there's these giant protests. Um, and the KMT responds to the protest by shooting into the crowd. And wow, yeah, I mean, so there's another side of this I should mention, like briefly, which is that like part of what's happening here is like there's there's a kind of ugly, like basically race riot that starts happening at the beginning of this, where like people like the the sort of like Taiwanese population like starts just like attacking like any random like a- a- any random people from like the kmt generation just like they find on the street they start attacking and killing and like that sucks um it is also just unbelievably less violent than what happens next which is that the kmt like well okay so so there, there, there's sort of this race right thing and then there's then there's like a, there's a full-scale revolution and the taiwanese population like seizes control of base of like almost the entire island like uh, the entirety of the main island and they start demanding like democratic rights and stuff like you know a free press and free assembly and like the protection of the indigenous population. Although I should also mention that like like nobody really in Taiwan like treats the indigenous population well. Like it was bad enough that like my seven year old mom was like, "Oh my god, why is everyone treating these people so badly?" <laughs> like it's, <laughs> but you know, okay. So they 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 do this thing. They have this revolution, and then the KMT like just sends the army to the island. And they kill something like twenty thousand people in a week. Um, like they are like they are they are cutting people's face like they are like cutting parts of people's faces off with like knives like it is unbelievably brutal and this begins 38 years of martial law um the 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 subsequent Kamti police state tortures like tens of thousands of people and rules taiwan with like with an iron fist until like the late 80s and this is where things get really messy right because uh, up until 1942, like nobody in China, like and, and, and this included both the KMT and the CCP, until 1942, neither of them actually claimed that Taiwan was part of China. But then in 1942, both of them start claiming that Taiwan is part of China. Ah, uh, great. <laughs> yeah, and, and and so when 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 the KMT flees to Taiwan, both the CCP and the KMT both claim to be a the legitimate government of China and b to be the legitimate government of Taiwan <laughs> and it's a disaster like the, the KMT is nuts like my they, they again like they 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 made my like 7-year-old mom sing songs about how they were they were one day they were going to reclaim the motherland like oh, wow these people suck yeah <laughs> like, um, yeah
4: there's some of them still in Myanmar, or maybe perhaps not now. But like I've heard from them, from friends who are a little older who were there, that there are a bunch of KMT like living in parts of Myanmar, and tourists would go pay to visit them.
5: Yeah, I mean, like that's, that's- it's a thing. Like, yeah, they're like they 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 <laughs> most of the people flee that flee to Taiwan, but like they they break in a number of different directions, and there's like a bunch of weird rump states they set up. They get knocked off eventually. It's a it's a whole mess. But in Taiwan, yeah. like they have this problem, which is that like okay, so there's like water in between China and Taiwan. And mm-hmm. if you want to get troops over it, you have to have those troops cross the water. And this is a real problem for like an invasion. So what ends up happening right. is a, a series. So like, okay, so you, you have the KMT and the CCP like staring each other down across these islands. And the product of this is what's called the Three Taiwan Straits Crises. So basically, mm-hmm. in in the CCP starts shelling Taiwan between in, in 1940 19, 1954 and 1955. They start shelling like Taiwan, and then they do it again in 1958, and like the KMT shells them back. And you know, and there's a couple of points where it looks like they're going to invade, but then the. US like moves supplies to the KMT to like keep the CCP from invading. And you know the, the result of this is this like, I think incredibly psychologically revealing move after like the 1958 crisis, which the 1958 crisis ends with the KMT and the CCP agreeing to shell each other on opposite days. <laughs> because and, and i cannot emphasize this enough this entire conflict is profoundly bullshit and was foisted upon taiwan by a bunch of peddly squabbling chinese nationalists yeah. oh, uh, how big is that
4: distance we're talking about like they're sending shells over there in the 50s so it's probably not vast well because i mean part, part, other, part,
5: part of what's happening is so it, it, it's it's 100 miles okay, 110 miles but what but what's happening here is like they're they they basically like have set up on outposts in different islands mm-hmm in between, like the Big Island and uh the shore, so they're, they're, they're like they're on these islands shelling each other. Like they, they they drafted my grandpa and like sent him to one of these places, and oh, that's wow. and then he came back and was like, "Fuck this, we're out." And so like that that's why my family's in the U.S. because he's like, "We're not doing this shit again. This sucks." Going like, and die gonna, for a sandbar. Yeah, I was like, I'm, 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 "I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be cannon fodder for these like <laughs> weird nationalist psychos." So okay so what what the, the sort of result of this though is that the kmt gets the backing of the u.s and the kmt becomes in taiwan is the like the legitimately internationally recognized government um like of all of china from the end of the civil war until like the 70s yeah occupies and, the u.n seat right yeah yeah has the u.n seat i Actually, we, we get to, we'll get into that in... You know what? We, we can do it here. So one of the things that happens here is that... Yeah. Okay, so, like, the U.S. really, really does not want the CCP to have the U.N. seat. And one of the things they try to do is they, they offer Nehru's India, like, the 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 seat on, like, uh what's it called? Why am I blanking on the name of the thing? National Security Council? The Security what's Council? Yeah, yeah. The U.N. Security yeah, Council. The, yeah, they U.N. Security Council. Like, they, 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 they offer India a seat of the Security Council. And Nehru is, like... No, I'm not gonna take this. I'm not gonna take this. This 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 is China's seat on the council. Like, I'm not gonna take this. And then uh, Mao repays him by invading India in 1963. In wait, is it or 1964? Um, I could. This this you. is not in my script. I am I am off. Yeah. I am off script. Oh, 1962. Sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. So like this a hey, this this goes great for Nehru. Mao just like uh, yep. invades and the Indians lose the war very badly. <laughs>
2: Zumo play.
5: To understand why eventually China gets recognized, you have to talk a bit about like what was going on inside inside of the PRC, like inside of the People's Republic of mm-hmm. China. So the CCP fights a war with the Soviets in 1969, which and th- this war gets called the, the Sino-Soviet border conflict, but like this is like a pretty much a real war. Like there are like Chinese and Soviet divisions shelling each other, like a lot of people die. Um. <laughs> Like I I I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast before. My 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 favorite part of this whole thing is that the the, the Soviets start like war gaming. Can can they defeat China in a nuclear war? And they figure out that they can't because it, the, the the Chinese population is so dis, is so dispersed that even even if they nuke all of China, they can't kill everyone. they and they'll lose the war in human wave attacks. So the Soviets start developing <laughs> de- de- developing the strategy of like having like a line of nuclear landmines across the the, the, the Soviet Chinese border so that the human wave attacks can't get through because they oh, like wow. the, the, this is this conf- is nuts like both China and the USSR are trying to get the US to ally with them to like do 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 a preemptive nuclear strike on on the other side like it's crazy amazing and and th- this like completes the Sino-Soviet split and the US it, like really really wants to make sure that the Sino-Soviet split sticks and so the US starts negotiating with China basically to bring China to the well okay there's two ways of looking at it. One is that they, they just want to separate like, you know, the Chinese from the Soviets. The other way of looking at it is that they want to like bring China fully over to the American side of the cold war. And I think the latter approach actually works. Right. Um, so, uh, in, 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 1979, the U S recognizes the CCP as a legitimate government of China. Uh, several months later, China invades Vietnam, uh, in, in defense of the Khmer Rouge, uh, which the U S was also backing. So yeah. um, and, and this is where we get into some more diplomatic bullshit. Uh, okay, so China maintains something called the One China Principle. The One China Principle holds that the CCP is the only government of China and that it rules Taiwan. The U.S. has something called the One China Policy. The One China Policy is – it does not take a stance either way on who the government of Taiwan is. What it does is it acknowledges that China claims that it rules Taiwan – and you, you will see nationalists lie about this constantly. They will say things like, the US recognizes Taiwan as part of China under the one child policy. Uh, and blah, blah, blah. Action is a violation of the one China policy. And that's not true, right? What what actually happened is the, the US, the, the US technical term for this is called strategic ambiguity. And you know, so they have this thing like they, they don't they don't formally recognize either side as a legitimate government of Taiwan. They recognize that this is what China says about Taiwan. <laughs> Uh, They don't actually recognize, but they they, they have no formal position on whether the CCP actually rules Taiwan. What they have is a recognition that that China believes this. And again, this is all diplomatic bullshit. It's partial of why I hate like talking about this because like, again, the the lives of literally tens of billions of people are being governed by like diplomats saying, doing like that kind of shit because it sucks. Yeah, so that's that that's that's the one child policy thing, which is not one shot. Jesus, the one China policy, which is not the same thing as the one China principle. Um, yeah. And, and so like all, all the while, while this is going on, the CCP and the KMT are in this massive race to see you can kill the most communists. Uh, like the CCP kills about a million communists in the Cultural Revolution, and then invades uh, uh, Vietnam to kill even more communists. Uh, the KMT, like not not to be outdone by 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 their former comrades across the border, uh, the KMT is training death squads in Honduras and like helping the Guatemalan government do the Guatemalan genocide. It's it's really grim stuff. And you know the 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 product of this ideology, the product of this whole thing is the ideological the complete ideological collapse of. The Chinese Communist Party as like a party that does communism, and then the political military collapsed with the KMT. So the the by, by I mean it, it's kind of a, it sort of has already stopped by the 80s. But by the 1990s, the CCP substantively has stopped being a communist party by any sense of the word. Like they're just capitalists and they're, they're you know they're out there making money. And by 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 the late 2000s, even like you know th- there had been a faction of what's called sort of the Chinese new left. That had thought that like they could, you know, they could, they could, you know, this is still a communist party. We can still change China from the inside. And those guys are like liquidated completely. Like they're just gone. Um, yeah. And, you know, and so, but, you know, and by, by like now, right. Like it, it's just, it's just, it's just capitalists. And me- meanwhile, in Taiwan in the eighties and nineties, there's, there's increasing resistance to the KMTs, like one party, like death squad, like one party state and their whole death squad, like reclaim the motherland politics. Everyone like starts to hate them. And this is where things get really weird. Because on the one hand, the KMT is incredibly anti-communist. But on the other hand, uh, they are the political faction that wants to tie Taiwan to China. And this means that, like, you know, as they're sort of like ruthlessly suppressing communists and leftists, they're also like vehemently independents. And so like they kill a bunch of anti-independence organizers. Um, which is like not 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 how anyone like talks about this conflict because it's too weird. So in, in, in there, there's all these sort of weird political things going on. Um, In, in, in 1987, the KMT ends the martial law that had been enforced since the February 28th incident, and the KMT like disarms, right? They disarm. They're not as in like, okay, the, the, the KMT used to be a party that would like assassinate people for writing unauthorized, like assassinate Americans on American soil for writing unauthorized biographies, biographies of like Chiang Kai-shek. And they kind of stopped being that like they disarm. They're not Really in the drug trade anymore? <laughs> Caveats: don't quote me on that. But like, they're, they're 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 not the party they were in the 80s, right? That's that's okay. sort of the important thing. Like they they they, lo- they lose a the one party dictatorship, and you you get the sort of transition to democracy that ends in the first free presidential elections in Taiwanese history in 1996, and uh, this. Like right right before this, you get the third Taiwan Straits crisis, where the president of Taiwan like goes to the U.S. and China reacts to this by having an enormous temper tantrum and like starts doing military exercises. Like they start like simulating an invasion of Taiwan. <laughs> they they start like shooting rockets like at the coast, like they have these rockets that land like just off the coast. And oh,
4: well, it's edgy.
5: Yeah, and the event this ends when the U.S. moves like two carrier groups. Uh, I in, into the Pacific and the crisis ends. But like, OK, there's a few things I would say here. One is that like, OK, so on the one hand, this is, this is the CCP having a temper tantrum, right? On the other hand, like it really. And I, this is the thing that I think most Americans have never experienced, right? Because the U.S. is not a country that like gets attacked, right? Uh, having another country firing missiles at you fucking sucks, like psychologically it is awful. Like we saw how insane the U S went like the, like the first time it had actually been attacked since like world war II, when nine 11 happened, like, you know, you you saw how just absolutely batshit the U S goes, right? Like, yeah. Okay. If you are a person in Taiwan, right. Which like a lot of my family is, and you are constantly having another country shooting rockets at you. Like it sucks. Like and I yeah. and, and, and I want people to like like sort of just like think about that for a second because like I, I think a, a lot of what how how this crisis and how this whole thing is talked about on, on the left is as a sort of like abstract thing that's like you know it's it's, it's, it's a set of abstract principles right and not stuff that's happening to real people who are like mm-hmm. watching missiles fucking fall into the ocean and right. you know like and w- watching another country like preparing to kill them and this sucks um. One of the other things that's worth no- noting here is that, like, p- part of what's going on in terms of the hardening of China-Taiwan relations is Tiananmen Square happened. Um, and and the reason this this matters is that so one of the things that like stabilizes, I guess, relations between Taiwan and China in part is the fact that I uh, they're both incredibly economic, closely and economically connected to the U.S. Um. And this is because all of like all China, Taiwan, and uh, and China are all capitalist countries, and so their ruling classes are all completely interde- interdependent. Like people, people talk a lot about Pelosi like investing in a bunch of uh, like chip manufacturing companies in Taiwan, and that's true. But she also has a bunch of investments in China because again, capitalists, single ruling class. <laughs> they all they're, they they all, they all all of your logistics lines run through each other. Blah 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 blah. I, I, I I will insert a note here that is not in the script. That anytime you hear people, someone talk about like the U.S. decoupling with their economy from China, they're they are full of shit. Do not like everything they saying, <laughs> Everything they are about to say is a lie. It does not happen. It has not happened. It will not happen. Like I, they're lying. Um, yeah, this is important. Um, yeah. you even know, at but, the height of Trump's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, like like th- th- there there was kind of an attempt, to and it didn't work because like you know you could <laughs> okay like you, you, there there are some things you can offer to Mexico, right? But like most like. <laughs> China China has a, a a unique combination of a like a really good energy grid for the most part. I mean, OK, there have been times where it's gotten overtaxed, but like it, it, compared to most other developing countries, it has a really good energy grid. It has a population in which uh, actually doing union organizing is illegal and it has a population that you know like gets forced to work incredibly long hours right yeah and the, the combination of those three things makes it a makes it you know a place where if you're an american capitalist if you're a taiwanese capitalist and that's actually part of this too is that like part part of the reason there's so much like hatred for taiwan inside of china among people who you wouldn't expect it to be is that like there's a there's a lot of people in china whose only experience of taiwan is working for like fucking foxconn and like working in just in hell conditions for a, 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 like for a taiwanese capitalist and yeah. you know, and that that's very easy to transform into national sentiment, and it sucks, but yeah, but you know, but, you know like okay, so like the the u s has an incentive just to, to stabilize u s Chinese relations in part because it it's economically like tied to both of these countries. but when something goes really wrong in u s china relations, like for example, after Tiananmen, where you know, and I think it's also worth noting, like from from the period like basically from when China invades Vietnam and even a bit before that from from when China invades Vietnam. In in 1979, up until Tiananmen, uh, U.S. China relations are really good. Like the, the U.S. is seen as like an ally against the evil Soviet evil empire. Like this, all this, and, and you know, but Tiananmen makes things go really badly because like the the only thing an American ally can possibly do that will sour the American press on them is to shoot a bunch of students in front of the American press corps. Like that, that's literally the only thing you could possibly do. Like you can, you can do actual genocides and the U S press corps won't care. But if you shoot a bunch of students right in front of you, they will get very mad. And you know, sometimes, okay sometimes we've, we've avoided doing that in Myanmar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's grim. Lot, lots of, lots of, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, the consequence effects. of this is like, yeah, when something goes really wrong in U.S.-China relations, you get – China starts doing Sabler rattling at Taiwan. And the effects of this on Taiwanese yeah. politics and also just sort of what's been happening in, inside of Taiwan is really weird. So the KMT who have been, again, like the militantly anti-communist party for half a century, for half a century are suddenly the faction that wants closer ties with the CCP. And <laughs> the product of this is that the KMT and the smaller, like, hardcore pro-unification parties become known as the Pan Blues – the Pan Blues are the people okay. who like want closer relations with with China and don't want closer relations with like the West. There's like the U.S. et cetera, et cetera. Um, and their opposition group is 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 a sort of progressive opposition groups, which are is composed of the groups that oppose the KMT's military dictatorship. And these groups form, well, okay, they form a couple of parties. The big party, the first party they form, which is the biggest one by far, is called the Democratic Progressive Party or the DPP. And the DPP and its allies, which include some leftist parties, I think like the Green parties in this coalition, uh, there's also these like smaller, like radical pro independence parties, um, they became known as the Pan Greens. And this is like to this day, this is like the main dividing line in Taiwanese politics. You have the conservative Pan Blues who favor closer relations with China, and the Pan Green progressives who favor like closer relations with democracies. And also, I think importantly, the The Pan Greens had this kind of, like, are are the people who are in favor of, like, there being a distinct Taiwanese national identity? And the Pan Blues are kind of more suspect of that because, again, like, you know, their base is the KMT, right? They want closer ties with China, and closer ties with China means not having, like – a distinct Taiwanese identity that's separate from Chinese. Okay. I'm enormously oversimplifying this and people who are experts in this will like this part of it will be like, it's more complicated than that. And it is, this is, this is the simplest explanation I could give you that people will understand. Like I, 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 I was like, I was debating whether I even wanted to talk about like the pan blue, like closer ties with China versus pan green, like closer ties with the West thing at all, because it's confusing and people probably won't remember it, but, yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's if you good. want to understand Taiwanese politics at all, like this is the line you have to take.
4: No, I think it's important to at least throw out the terms yeah. that people are going to hear if they're going to engage in any discussion beyond like uh what has has tweeted. Yeah. Or
5: and <laughs> I'm 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 going to also like I'm I'm going to like lay my cards on the table so people don't understand my political position on this. Um and my political position is one that pisses off literally everyone, which is that like I'm not like a DPP supporter, like I'm I'm not one of the sort of like progressive like Groups. I'm not in the sort of like. I'm not really kind of like in the sort of like Taiwan independence camp. I'm not really like a, D, a DPP person. I I I don't know. Like, uh, but I'm also not a KMT person. Like, because the the, the KMT <laughs> are capitalist reactionaries. Um, but I also like okay, like, like I'm 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 I'm, I'm going to do my critique of the DPP and then I'm going to sort of walk it back a little bit. Uh, I I think like Taiwanese progressives in general are way too close to the American security state for me to want anything to do with them, and the ones who aren't like okay, the Taiwanese left, like, Jesus Christ, get your shit together. Taiwan's most famous anarchist is literally a government minister. <laughs> like, th- this is how fucked the Taiwanese left is. Like, uh, like, 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 these people, oh, uh, God, I'm enormously frustrated by it. Like, these people couldn't develop, like, a left, uh, these people couldn't develop a natural class analysis if you beat them over the head with a copy of Capital. Um, and, okay, <laughs> like, I, I think... Like Taiwanese progressives will point out, and I think this is fair, that it's very easy to criticize like allying with the U.S. when it's not your ass in the firing line of Chinese rockets, which is true. It is much easier yeah. to criticize the U.S. when the when the rifles being pointed in your face are American rifles than when it's you know Chinese soldiers pointing Chinese rifles. And th- this is a big part of why Taiwanese politics are so fucked. Um, things get reduced to this sort of like democracy versus authoritarian, U.S. versus China, like Taiwanese identity versus Chinese identity to a lesser extent, like binary. But it's like okay, like my family is Taiwanese, but like I was born here, I grew up here and, you know, I know, I know what American democracy looks like. It's the army hiring Eric Prince to slaughter Iraqi civilians in Baghdad. And, you know, I also <laughs> know what, you know, I have a bunch of family in China too. I, I know what Chinese authoritarianism looks like. It's the CCP hiring Eric Prince to build trading bases for mass internment uh, camp guards <laughs> in Xinjiang. Like, <laughs> you know, okay. And yeah. The, the the only actual like political solution that will ever get anywhere is to fight both of them. A position that is extremely unpopular, literally everywhere. And like, you know, I I I I think they're, like the progressives have a good argument that that you know this isn't this isn't a line they have the luxury of taking, right? Because they they yeah. they, they they have they have an immediate enemy, and they they're going to do whatever they have to to not get invaded, and that means allying with people who like I want to overthrow and see liquidated as a class. And, like, I, I I understand why they think that. I also am not them. So, yeah, this is, this is, this is me laying my cards on the table. And I, I think also, like, this goes back to the whole sort of, like, settler state question, right, which is this sort of unresolved political question in the U.S., Taiwan, and China. Like, no actual major political force has, like, committed itself to destroying the settler state and returning indigenous sovereignty, uh, like, to indigenous people. And you can't have, like, any kind of liberatory politics in a settler state without that. But on the other hand, yeah. like okay, the actual politics of Taiwanese indigenous people is really complicated. Like it, it doesn't work in the same way that like indigenous politics in the US does. For example, like okay. different tri- I mean, and this is also true in the US, but like different tribes have different relations to sort of indigenous nationalism. Like and, and another thing that that's true about um the that 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 that's true about Taiwanese indigenous people is that a lot of them vote for the KMT. And they do this for a couple of reasons, one of which is because the KMT has this like really, really powerful and extensive patronage network that they've been running for literally like basically since they got onto the island, they've been running this patronage network. And this allowed them to do like real, incredibly intense and powerful base building in, in indigenous communities, right? Like they're like the GDP are the people who like distribute, like okay, they they have like a center right? and right, you go there and they get they 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 give you like food, right? Like they this 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 is the place where you get your like okay. sesame oil, yeah. right? And then also yeah. there's the the, the the second layer of the patriot network, right? Is like if you want to get a job, you join the KMT, and so they 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 have these they have these really deep sort of political roots mm. in that sense, and then also. Um, the, the KMT does this thing where they're like, Hey, look, the DPP is doing settler nationalism. Like, Hey, these are the people who colonized you like fuck them. Like you should ally with us instead, which is true. Like, like it, 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 it is true. And like, I think, I don't know, like Taiwanese progressives kind of like tap dance around this, but like, yeah, like it is true yeah. that the sort of like Han Taiwanese identity is like sort of settler nationalism, But, like, also, this is true of the KMT as well. Like, the KMT are also a settler nationalism. Like, you know, like, they conquered the island and ruled as... You know, okay, and and, and you'll you you'll try you'll also see people who will take this argument and try to argue that indigenous people voting for the KMT means that indigenous people support China invading Taiwan, and this is just comically wrong. Like they're just they are lying to you. Uh, indigenous people in Taiwan, like literally everyone else in Taiwan, do not support being ruled by China. And <laughs> the argument that a Chinese occupation of Taiwan is somehow less of a settler state than the current system is just like comically propaganda bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah China.
4: Yeah, has not been kind. To <laughs> yeah, I,
5: I, I'm, I'm going to get into like this a little bit too, right? Which is okay. So like I, I've been trying to be fair and balanced here, right? Like I, I have been giving yeah. you my critique of Taiwanese, Taiwanese progressivism. This is going to piss off a lot of people. But like having said all of this, China invading Taiwan would be really, really, really bad. Like I, I cannot emphasize enough yeah. how bad this would be like okay so taiwan is like a regular regular settler bourgeois democracy with like all of the sort of good and bad things about bourgeois democracies which we're we're all familiar with right like we we understand what a a settler democracy is um to be fair the modern taiwanese government is like infinitely less violent than the modern american government like like the i i I looked like the 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 prison population in like relative population (laughs) in taiwan is like I think it's like an eighth of the Amer- of what the American yeah, like, yeah. prison population is, right? Like it's it's not like you know, okay, it's it's like Taiwan is not like a sort of like it's like Taiwan is not a socialist state, right? But it's also like you know better than the U.S., which is an incredibly low bar that like you could trip and fall yeah. over. But like you know, okay, it's it's better than the U.S. Um, yeah, you know, it's closer to like Sweden or something in terms of violence, which I think is also a good uh, comparison because Sweden also has an indigenous population called the Sami, and I uh, yeah. Uh, all swedish leftists will uh, studiously never admit that they exist or talk about them at all (laughs) so okay again this is not a stateless class of society but it's also like like since since, since the kmt has been disarmed like this is not one of like the world's great purveyors of violence right like it's not the u.s um china on the other hand is a ferociously reactionary capitalist settler dictatorship and this is something that americans have very little experience with um for for a long time, people argued that okay, like if 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 China like if, if Taiwan became a part of China, Taiwan would get some kind of relationship similar to what Hong Kong has, where like there were free elections and union organizing and free speech is legal. But you know, twenty nineteen happened.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. You
5: know, I mean, it was even in Taiwan. Like the like, I'm sorry, not even even in Hong Kong, right? The extent to which like you know like union organizing and free association, and free press existed, were like and again like hong kong also and i want to point this out like the ccp has been strengthening this the entire time they were there hong kong is the only place on earth where corporations have the right to vote and they vote for the ccp like it's so okay this is this is great but you know 2019 happens right and guess what now hong kong has national security law which allows the government to arrest you literally for posting on twitter that you don't think that china should control hong kong um Secretary of Secretary for security uh, in Hong Kong, Chris Tang said uh, earlier this week that criticizing the government with the intention to provoke quote hate or, uh, intention to provoke hatred quote between the classes was a violation of the national security law, a position that if actually like that that if actually like like this if if you take this position, this would outlaw in its entirety all socialist organizing, in hong kong because again anything that attempts to yep. provoke hatred between the classes is illegal
4: yep and yeah, you know, so this is some panacea of, of liberal democratic no. existence within well, the, I mean, the prc
5: yeah and this is this is the modern and like you know i mean again like like people people talk about this a lot like hong kong is one of the world's most neoliberal cities and the ccp has taken it over mm. and uh oh hey guess what they're 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 living out the neoliberal dream of making it illegal to try to do any like try to do like class war stuff um one of the things that happens immediately after national security laws is that it's used to destroy China's China's independent trade union federation and th- this brings us to like the, the sort of class perspective on this um independent union organizing in china is illegal and when i say it's illegal i don't mean illegal in the sense of like jaywalking where like okay if someone if if like a cop sees you jaywalking they might arrest you like if you try to do independent union organizing in China, men will show up to your house in the middle of the night and you will disappear for three months until a video of you with two very large men standing just out of camera range appears in which you recant your organizing and apologize for your crimes. Like, to, 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 to get a sense of the level yeah. of oppression we're dealing with here, two Chinese leftists named Lu Yu Yu and Li Ting Yu recorded and published a series of protests. Like, they they they, they basically, they had, they on the Chinese social media, like, they they posted this like record basically of strikes and protests that were happening in the country every day. So like literally all they're doing is they are You're documenting the documenting strikes it. and protests that are happening and collecting data about them and posting it. Um, in 2016, the police showed up to Lou's house, put a bag over his head, and dragged him away to a dragged him away to a jail cell. Uh, Lou spent four years in prison. Uh, Lee got two years, and the two of them never saw each other again. So again, Good. this this is what happens if you literally just report on the wildcat strikes that are happening. Someone will put a yeah. bag over your head, and you will go to prison for four years. Like Jesus. it is, it is like the the, the 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 situation for organized labor of any kind of anyone trying to do union organizing in China is unbelievably dire. Um, now China and th- th- this is what I'm talking about here is sort of independent union organizing. China has an official trade union federation, um. Okay. The Trade Union Federation of China has is such a fucking joke that it is literally a matter of academic debates. Like there are academic papers arguing about whether or not it even actually counts as a union. And this has been true since the late nineteen fifties when the CCP decided that, uh, oh hey, this trade union uh is there to represent the party and not workers, and its role is to mediate between uh the, the you know, to mediate between the party and uh workers, not actually to, you know, like represent them when they like when they have yeah. disputes with their bosses. So yeah, like they don't like they they don't they don't go on strike like ever. Like, they, 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 they exist as, like, another part of the party state, the, the goal of which is to make sure that bosses keep making money. And if you try to work outside of it, they will arrest you. Now, t- Taiwan is not, like, a shining worker's paradise, right? The, the sort of vaunted semiconductor mm-hmm. industry that everyone talks about is run by a bunch of workers getting the ship burned down to them by vats of acid. But conditions for the Chinese working class are even worse. Taiwanese wages are higher. China, Taiwan has better workplace protections. Again, you can legally organize unions, uh, meanwhile, in China, there are famously suicide nets around Chinese factories because working for these places is so fucking awful that people would literally rather kill themselves and live in it. And, you know, you can ask why is this happening? And the reason it's happening is that a lot of the stuff that is literally the worst fucking nightmare of the American left, things like your boss owning your apartment is just standard practice in China. This is, this is just, this is just what it's like to be a worker in China. Your boss owns your fucking apartment. You have literally hundreds of millions of people who live in these tiny, like they're called workers dormitories, which again, often literally owned by like the owner of the factory they're in, you get like and when, when I say like the workers' dormitories, right? It's not even like it's not even like an American dorm building, right? Where like you you know you have like your own room. It's like it is like yeah, like it's it's a bunch of people sleeping in cots, like like sleeping in bunk beds with like a fucking bucket next to them to go to the bathroom. Like it is it is horrible. Yeah. Um, you have like a, like the the, the I, I talk about this a lot in this show, but again, like literally there are payday loans integrated into delivery apps like th- this this is the level of capitalism that, that China is and like I, i'm not going to like get, i'm not going to like argue that it's worse in the US i think they're bad in different ways like there 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 mm-hmm. are like the U, the US incarceration system is like you know like one of the great yeah. human evils in the entirety of human history right there there are things that like the US is worse at like the chinese police are a lot less likely to just fucking murder you Like, you know, but like, yes, but like China, it sucks to be a worker in China. Like it, it really sucks. And I can't emphasize this enough because I don't, because people don't really understand this. Like they, they, like people do not understand that again, like the normal Chinese schedule is called nine, nine, six, you work 9am to 9pm, six days a week. This is the normal schedule. Most, a lot of workers like that, 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 again, that, that, that's like an average schedule. Most people work more than this. Nine nine six is seventy hours a week, right? Like it is, it is, it is a shit show. And yeah. if it if, if Taiwan if China invades Taiwan, the conditions of the Taiwanese working class are going to get worse. That is just a fact. Chi- like imposing Ty- Chinese law on Taiwan would strengthen the power of the capitalist class and weaken the proletariat. Um, fr- from an indigenous perspective, which we, we've talked about this at length about, you know, we talked about it at length how the Taiwanese system is not that good. But you know, it, it's not like it's a settler colony. There's some representation, but you know, it's not great. It is much better than the CCP's system. The CCP's line on ethnic minorities is that if you're an ethnic minority in China, you're going to work in a Han factory, you're going to pick crops from Han owned fields, you're going to dance and smile for Han tourists. If you step out of line, you will be dragged out of your bed in the middle of the night and sent to a fucking camp. There are, you know, like this is the thing that Americans sort of have similar experiences with. It's like, you know, you have immigration raids, you have raids on uh, homeless encampments, but. It's not that's and that that's like, you know, that that's a kind of experience that is somewhat similar to what it's like to live in Xinjiang. But like, it's not exactly the same. Like, I, I know people whose families are just fucking gone. Like the police showed up in the middle of the night. And their families are just gone. They've never seen them again. Like they're, they're just gone. No, no one knows where they are. No one knows if they're even alive. they have just vanished. And if and if you think that this isn't going to happen to Taiwan's indigenous population, the moment they start talking about self determination, you are incredibly bafflingly, hopelessly naive. And you know, like like there, there's a lot of other shit that you can point to, right? Like, for example, Taiwan has gay marriage and China doesn't. Like, the 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 degree of press censorship, just like social media censorship in China that doesn't exist in Taiwan, is like absolutely absurd. Like, you know, I I I I think like most like. So people talking about press censorship in the US are like almost always right wing shitheads who are complaining about like they yes. yelled a bunch of slurs. Like in China, a very common thing that happens is like someone will be posting about a corrupt local official and then every single post about it will get deleted. And if you try to post the guy's name, your post won't go up. And then any emoji that people were using in association with the corrupt local official like get blocked and you can't use the emojis anymore. And like, you know, and, and, and I, I, I it, it, it's, it's almost like the, the level of censorship is almost comical to the extent where like people don't believe. Yeah, like in the U.S., like don't like you know when people talk about like, like oh the the, the Chinese government isn't really banning uh gay, guys who look too feminine and gay guys from appearing in media. It's like no, they are like they're they're they're, they're I think I think it was a Beyonce concert. There, there 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 was a very famous like very funny thing that happened like a few months ago where there was this concert. I, th- I think it was a Beyonce concert. No, was it Beyonce? Maybe it was I can't remember who it was, but like. So th- there was a stream of it in China and there was a guy, there was a censor who was like putting like one of those gray out censored bars, like over, the, over the singer's clothes because they were, they were considered too explicit. And she's just like moving this like dot of like censorship <laughs> thing across the stage trying to fall. Like th- this is the level of bullshit mm. that happens here. Like it, it's, it's not a thing that like the U S really has much reference for because like we, we don't experience, like, this is not a thing that you don't experience, you experience in the U S like, yeah. It's- <laughs>
4: Sometimes I like to think about these things in terms of like, uh, like like. all people talk about Orwell and Huxley as these dystopian novels, right? Uh, and, and perhaps people don't read those novels, uh, but they love to quote them. Uh, and like in, in Orwell's, we have like a, a, a system which like uh, keeps you quiet by pushing you down, right? And in Huxley's, we have a system w- which keeps you quiet by keeping you happy with, with drugs and, and such. Uh, and like, it, it's important to recognize it like it, it both things can be bad, but the material conditions and the day-to-day life of people, especially marginalized people in one society, can be markedly better.
5: Yeah. Well, and I think also, like, yeah, like, I think as, as we're not, like, the, the the ways in which the American, like, there, there are similarities, but like, yeah, like, the, there are lots of ways in which the sort of Chinese system and the American system are differently bad. And that breaks people's brains because you get a lot of, like, you get you get a lot of Americans who were convinced become convinced that, like, China is a socialist paradise. There's a Chinese version of this where, like, you get international students who come to the U.S. for the first time and see an election, and they, like, lose their minds and are, like, absolutely convinced that, like, American democracy is, like, the only stable political system. And they read Hayek, and they, like, lose – they just, like they, – they become the Chinese version of tankies, which are, like, weird neoliberal people. And it's, like, no, yeah. like – I I know actually in <laughs> fact none of these things are good both of these societies are just like not good to live in in any way yeah. and like you know and I, I think that there's another thing I should mention here like why all of this sort of like bullshit posturing is happening between the US and China right now which is that like on on the American side like Biden is trying to distract from the fact that the country is falling apart and there's a bunch of fascists trying to take over and like you know, like all of this bullshit is happening. uh, China is trying to distract from the fact that they have nineteen percent youth unemployment right now, and that like oh, wow. there are there are like cops dispersing people doing runs on banks because uh the the it finally looks like the Chinese housing bubble is about to crack. like it's you know the this, this sort of nationalist stuff is like for 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 China in the u s it is this sort of game that they play that has a lot to do basically with pacifying their own internal populations. But you know, for everyone in Taiwan, like it's not a game. And that's that's the thing I think I want to close on, which is like the single most important thing here is that there is no way for China to take control of Taiwan except by war. 94% of the population does not want to be ruled by China. 82% of the population of Taiwan wants the status quo. If you try to force tai- uh, Chinese rule of Taiwan, the only way to do it is by war. And seizing and controlling, seizing control of and occupying a place with 23 and a half million people is going to be a bloodbath. There's no other way to do it. Even if you are, I just want to leave this as sort of a message to people who like, who don't agree with me on this, which is that if you've gotten to the end of this and you genuinely believe that Taiwan is part of China, are you willing to watch your family get burned alive for that principle? Because that, that, that is what you are asking us to do. You are asking us to watch our families die for your belief about lines on a map. And if if you are not willing to accept the consequences of your belief personally, if you are not willing to see your family get obliterated by a fucking rocket, then don't push for it to happen to us. And yeah, that is that that is Taiwan 101. Um please for the love of god stop doing this bullshit. I don't want my family to fucking die. I Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very well said, mate. Uh I
4: think a lot of people are so detached from the on the ground consequences of their like theoretical on Twitter.com positions that it, it could be very easy to be incredibly callous to people who have loved ones skin in the game.
5: Yeah. And and I think, I think this is the part of it. Like, no, like 99% of the people on Twitter are posting about this. Have, they have no stake in this whatsoever. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. If everyone on Ta- if everyone who lived in Taiwan died tomorrow, it would have no material effect in them whatsoever. Right, like the the worst thing that would maybe happen to them is it, it would be harder for them to get graphics cards.
4: <laughs> yeah, compared like, to losing your entire family. In yeah, a horrible, like horrible,
5: horrible. this is this is this is twenty three million people, an enormous number of whom are going to die if this thing happens. So yeah, d- like, un un like un un, un, un unle- unless you are committed enough to this to kill your own family, then fucking stop posting about it, because that 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 like. If if you were not willing to materially accept the consequences of your own position on yourself, then you shouldn't have it.
4: Yeah, especially when you're pretending to be a leftist. Yep.
5: Yeah, that's this is this yeah. has been looking here here. Uh, yeah, don't don't have a Chinese invasion of Taiwan happen here. Yeah, no, over, over, overthrow your local settler colony. <laughs> yeah, settler colonialism is bad. That's the uh, official stance of. Yep. actually, I I'm, I'm not sure if we can legally. I, th- I think I think we can legally <laughs> say this is the official stance of cool, Zone, of cool Zone Media. I'm pretty sure we can't legally say it's the official stance. Yep. Of- yeah,
4: <laughs> Maybe, maybe <laughs> cut that down. All I need. Yeah, <laughs> we'll say yeah. Here are Cool Zone Media, we don't endorse settler colonialism. Uh, yeah, don't do yeah. it. War is bad. Shh. Don't rocket cities.
1: It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
2: Zumo Play.